Hey, uh, it was, um, I don't even know how, I was, I was about 21 years old, and uh, there was this guy come, I, I was, man, I'd just given my life to the Lord, really, and this town was doing a crusade at the Modesto Junior College with a guy by the name of Luis Palau. Now, I didn't know anything about church. I, I knew nothing about how it worked, crusades, I knew nothing. I'd heard of Billy Graham, you know, everybody's heard of Billy Graham, but what, we're doing some, what's going on at the JC? Well... I show up at the JC, 1982, whatever it was. The place is all jammed up, full of people. I'm sitting off on a little grassy knoll area, and it was Luis Palau. And he got up to the microphone, and I uh, remember going, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I didn't know what it meant, you know, to be anointed by the Lord. I didn't know any of that. I just was going, wow, that guy... There's something about that guy, and it stirred my soul. Well, I, the first book really I ever bought, besides a, a Bible, was this book right here called the, the Schemer and the Dreamer, and I pulled it off my shelf when I heard that we landed him, you know, and he was going to come to this little pinhole on a map called Modesto and be at our pulpit, and I, I was looking at some of my notes. I was a youth pastor back then and trying to put this in, in a context for our youth. This book was unbelievable. On the back, there's a picture of Luis and... He, he was 10 at the time. It's unbelievable. <laughs> man, you need to update that, brother, because that ain't right, man. <laughs> if you'd have been here last hour, a guy just brutalized me. It was unbelievable. I'm going into counseling after what you said last week or last hour. Hey, look, we are, we are in for uh, just a special time. Uh, I'm telling you, my heart is ready to just blow with joy because some of you, I, I want you to know, this is just going to be the the best half an hour of your life. God's going to do something amazing. Would you welcome Luis Palau up here right now? Hear me up. I, I can see why everybody shouts and jumps at this church, with a few exceptions, with a pastor like that, huh? Who wouldn't do it? It really is exciting. And of course, if you read my book and it's the best one, you can't help but love him. I mean, you know, and admire his intelligence that he loves such good books. And uh, I was here ages ago before most of you were born from the looks of you, a few were, but most of you weren't here. And uh, that festival was put on partially by this church and a few others that he even mentioned. It's wonderful to be back in Modesto. And you know, I, I love Modesto. Uh, you got that thing going, love Modesto. Uh, I really, I really like that whole plan. Jeff, Pastor Jeff, besides Pastor Rick, but Pastor Jeff was telling me, he picked me up at the airport and brought me, told me all about it. It is so thrilling and so exciting. I'll get back to it in a second. And it's good to see how the pastor loves his church. I think that's good. The music is terrific, like he said. Uh, I, I do believe, though, you have a beautiful building, good sound. It's great to be here. The people are so nice. But can't you pay him a little more money? You know, did you notice the jeans he wears? I mean, I, I mean in the first service, uh, he was seated by a young woman. Uh, it turned out to be his wife. I thought it was his oldest daughter, you know. And uh, so I, I went up there, and, and he said, this is my wife. I said, you really are? She said, yes, I am. And so I, I felt bad that I made mention of his jeans, but they do look crummy. I mean, uh, uh, honestly. Can some of you guys take him to Nordstrom's and buy a, a proper pair of pants? I mean, he's a minister of the gospel, for goodness sake. Why does he dress like an old hippie from the 70s? You know, uh, 
If it wasn't for his hair, he is a typical old California hippie. We got a lot in Oregon. They fled California. And uh, we, uh, uh, yeah, while I mentioned that, I, I live in Oregon. I'm from Argentina, actually. I've got a weird name, Luis Palau. Luis is not Luis, okay, you gringos? It, it is, <laughs> Luis is a man's name. See, I got real pants. Uh, n- not, not jeans. Men and women wear jeans, not men. I dress properly. And, uh, but I came from Argentina, and uh, the name is Luis. Triple S, just in case you don't know. Luis, not Louise. That's a woman's name. I'm all for women, but I'm not one of them, okay? And, uh, but I married an American. I, went, I came to study in the States in 1960, and I fell in love with this American from Oregon. And she loves Oregon. Don't ever talk against Oregon. Don't joke about rain. She'll, you know, she is quite tough. And uh, I stay up there. I love the Bay Area. That's where I would live if I had, had my chance. But you can't do it with this woman. And she also said that the Bible says, husbands, obey your wives. So I, what can I do, you know? Uh, it doesn't say that, but it does say be subject to one another. And the one thing she gets away with, I have to live in Oregon. So there you go. Don't marry an Oregonian. Uh, but uh, I, I really love coming back to this area. After so many years that the pastor mentioned, and we revere him, by the way, usually the people you like are the people you make jokes with. People you don't like, you never say anything. Uh, I really love this man. And the pastoral team is terrific. And this Modesto plan, I tell you, we in Oregon have copied many of the things that you are doing here. One of my boys picked it up and he turned it into what he calls season of service. And we do this in every city. The fact that you really love uh, Modesto and that you help the people and that you help the poor and you bring clothing and you clean schools and, and you mentor students that need mentoring. It is amazing, you know, and that this has inspired other churches. This is very exciting. I hope this year you all get involved and follow the lead The church has been a light to this community. I was so proud of the pastor honoring other churches. You know, that is such a good thing, to to show the love of Christ to everybody in the city and especially those who know Jesus Christ, no matter what congregation they go to. So I am very grateful to the Lord to have had a part in it. We in Oregon, as I said, have picked up a lot of lessons from here. And we have a, a unique city. Oregon is sort of little San Francisco, but worse, you know. Uh, we got funny people up there. I won't go into details because I could get shot. But uh, the, the fact is that we have been able to build bridges. In Oregon, there used to be the Christians were here, and the politicians and the city and the educators were over here, and they threw arrows at each other, you know. Uh, Our guys would say stuff that is not conducive to winning friends and influencing people, you know, calling certain people perverts, depraved, degenerate. Doesn't usually win people's goodwill, you know what I mean? And uh, we began to serve the city. I I can't give you the story, but it did so much good for the city. Our mayor, his name is Sam Adams, everybody knows him, and uh, he is, he's gay, he lives with a friend of his. Uh, The school superintendent is a lady who's a lesbian, she lives with her friend, and so it would appear like the church is here, the others are here, and boom, throw punches at each other. But by serving the city and helping people, and helping the politicians and the schools, there's a new atmosphere in Oregon. And as a result, you can talk to anybody about the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ, and they respect you because 
you have served. It's amazing when you serve people, how much you, you, you show them that you're a normal person, you know, that you're not a weirdo with funny ideas. And, that, they, and so I won't go into more, more details. Uh, you're going to say, when are you going to read the Bible? I'm coming to it, okay, in a second. But I wanted to congratulate you and rejoice with you. Keep it up. And I notice other cities are picking it up. You know, I remember somebody sent me a book uh, that told about how the churches in Modesto pulled together and worked together and did things. This is so good. So keep it up and enjoy it. And you're a blessing to other places. You know, somebody said to me that there was a period when people used to say, Modesto sucks. I tell you, that makes me angry. I'm not a Modesto person, but I love this place. And uh, therefore, stand up for Modesto and in the name of Christ, show the love of Christ. Huh? Pastor Jeff has been terrific. So God bless you guys and God bless you, Jeff. Good man. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, uh, I want to read a passage from the Bible because I want to talk to you tonight about the gift of God. God has a gift for every single one of us, dear friends. And you know what? It's a gift that at the end, in, in the next 30 minutes or so, I, you know, in the authority of somebody who knows Christ, just like you would do over a cup of coffee with someone that you're telling them about Christ, and you give them a chance to receive the gift of God, I want to do that here tonight in this, in this moment. We did it about an hour and a half ago to another group that was here, and you won't believe how many of them, but it was men. I was so thrilled to see so many men say, I believe, and they gave their lives to Christ, and they went to pray with a pastor. It was so moving to me. I, I love it when women give their life to Christ, teenagers, but to see a bunch of men, you know, uh, who, who, who are not easily moved, you know, to come to Christ, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And so, at the end, I'm going to offer you the gift, and you can receive it and receive Jesus Christ. Now, you know, the pastor was mentioning a few minutes ago about how people will talk about the, the request for money and so on. I was born in Argentina, and my dad was a young businessman, and uh, missionaries came and brought us the Bible. There were no Bibles in those days in Argentina, hardly at all. And uh, first, my mother, she, uh, she was searching for spiritual life. She was hungry, looking for spiritual life. And she was the organist in the local parish Catholic church. And she always went to communion and played the organ, but she could never find peace with God. I wasn't born yet. Uh, my dad and mom were just young. They were just married. And this missionary came and went door to door giving away New Testaments. And my mom told me, I was still, as they say, in your mother's womb, and uh, she began to read the New Testament. And she came to Matthew chapter 5, where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And my mom said she was on her knees by her bed reading, and she began to cry. She said, then I'll never see God. I don't have a pure heart. I'll never be able to see God. And then suddenly, obviously God's Spirit spoke to her and reminded her that the priest at communion used to quote the verse from the Gospel of John, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when I was singing, looking at the cross again in this service, I was saying, Lord Jesus, thank you that you were the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. Anyway, my mom said that the two things together, she felt the voice of God saying to her, don't worry, my child, your sins are forgiven because my son, the Lamb of God, took them away. And she found peace with God. So she goes to the missionary and says, 
Am I supposed to leave the Catholic Church? And he said, no, 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 no. You stay there. Tell all your friends at the church, at the parish, what Jesus has done in your heart. And then at night, come for Bible study with us, and we'll study the Bible, which he did. Then my grandma gave her life to the Lord. And then my dad, who was a little slower. Most men, let's face it, the man should lead the way, but usually the woman does, uh, even in coming to Christ. And so, but my dad used to be a typical Latin guy. Latin men usually, if you're Catholic, they take their wife to, to mass. They stand at the door waiting like, this is not for me because I'm a man. And this is for ladies and little children. Uh, and and uh, if not, they go and have a beer and then come back and pick up the wife, you know. That's what they do. So my dad would just take her, drop her off, and take her. But one Sunday, he came into the church, and uh, he sat down by my, my mom. Now, it's a little chapel. The cha I went to see it the other day in Argentina. It's about half the size of the platform. It isn't like a big church. It was a little thing. He walked in and sat by my mom. And this missionary was uh, speaking from the Bible. And, and I, I, I was only a little baby at this point. Apparently, my dad stood up, interrupted the preacher, uh, and in a loud, not a loud, but a loud voice, he said, right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my only Savior and Lord. And he said that. And it was one of those churches where you don't say anything, you know. And, and uh, my mom was so excited. At last, the old guy gives his life to Christ. But she was so embarrassed that she wanted to dive under the pew, you know. Uh, but my dad's life was changed. And the missionary said, when Luis Palau, my dad, was converted, his wallet was converted also. Apparently, my dad was, began to give money and help other people and so on. So I found that out several years later. So it's a good thing when, you, when, when your wallet is converted together with you. But you know, I want to read a little passage from the Bible. I, I hope you like it. It's in 1 John chapter 5. And, and, uh, and then I got to tell you something why I'm reading it for you. Let me read to you verses 10 through 13. Very brief, but listen to the Word of God because it is absolutely very terrific. Look at what it says. Let's start with verse 7. It says, There are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son of God has life. He whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. December 2309, just about a year and three months ago, I was in Portland at home two days before Christmas and uh, a phone call comes. Andrew, our son, uh, Andrew, we have four sons, my wife and I, and uh, they are wonderful guys. Uh, and uh, all of the three of them, the other three, the twins and the other one, the twins were born in Palo Alto. Uh, I remember we were at a conference in uh, San Jose. 
And suddenly at 3 in the morning, why babies always come in the night, I don't know. But at 3 in the morning, my wife says, we got to go to the hospital. We gotta. It was only seven months, you know. I mean, it's supposed to be nine from what I read. And, uh, you know, so she said, got to go to the hospital. I said, can't they wait till the morning? She said, no, 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 the, the water is broken. I didn't know what the water was. I mean, I mean, it's the first children we have, you know. So we had to jump in a car and go to Stanford. And there were two of them. Then we went to Colombia. Andrew was born in Colombia. We were there for four years as missionaries. Then we moved to Mexico, and our youngest son was born. And we said, enough already. You know, no more missionary fields. We stay in the States this time. Four boys is plenty, you know. And the three of them, the twins and the little guy from Mexico, born in Mexico, uh, we are the parents, uh, they, they all followed Jesus since they were young. They got baptized. They went to Wheaton College and whatnot. Andrew, number three, born in Colombia, born rebellious. The Colombians love to, you know. And uh, yeah, he, he's born in Colombia. And from about age 14 in high school, you could tell. Now, he never blasphemed Jesus Christ. He never denied Jesus or anything. But he was out. He loved the world. And he liked to party. And I don't even want to know all. And uh, so one day we, took, we invited him to go to to Jamaica. We are having one of these festivals in a stadium. And uh, he came over there. I talked him into it for fishing. He loves to fish. And I said, there's a Jewish guy who's got a big yacht. He's going to take you. You're going to catch marlin in the Caribbean. He knew what was going on. He's not stupid. He knew that I was trying to fish for him, you know. But nevertheless, he came. And he came over there, and then he gave his life to Christ. He changed completely. You should see him now. He's 40-something. But uh, that, he was 27 then. He really wept and cried and gave his life to Christ, and his life was changed completely. Every time he tells his story, he starts to cry, he, even though it's been like 17 years. And uh, anyway, he falls in love with a girl from Jamaica. She is a Jewish Christian from Jamaica. Someday I'll explain it to you, okay? And uh, the, the name is Levy. That's very Jewish, like Cohen, you know, or Silverstein or something. And uh, anyway, they were going to vacation in, in, in Kingston. So they go on American Airlines, and about 9.15, 9.20 in the evening, he, uh, the phone rings in Portland. He says, Dad, everything's okay, all right? Tell Mom everything is just fine. I said, Andrew, what's fine? He said, well, there's been a little accident, you know, and, uh, but I'm okay and the family's okay. Uh, I said, Andrew, what happened? He said, well, and he told me, this American Airlines was coming from Miami and uh, there was one of those wild Caribbean storms, you know, and uh, the plane was landing. It went around and around for three hours. It was running out of gas or whatever, kerosene, and he, the, the wind was strong, you know, and so he's coming about halfway. Andrew's flown enough. He knew this plane is not going to stop. It was this much water on the runway. It was one of those Caribbean storms, and the, the pilot gave it his best pulled back the engines, and Andrew said to his wife, seatbelts, 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 you know. And he had one of his boys was next to him, the other one on the little girl with his wife behind him. And he said to John, 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 you got your seatbelt? Boom! And he hit the, the thing in front. The plane went, it was like here. At the end of the runway, uh, uh, there's a, a road, a highway. And then on the other side, there's a mound, and then there's the ocean, just within three, five, well, ten feet. And there's rocks and cement. Look, look, at, the, look at the photos that they took. Look at that. That's the way the plane landed. That's the ocean on the other side. Okay, there's another one. Look at that. I mean, look at that. Look at the, 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 the landing gear was gone. One of the engines was gone. And, and there it is. See, there's the highway on the other side. There's the runway. And on the other side, this way, is the ocean. And now, 
it didn't explode. Boeing does a good job nowadays. Planes don't explode like they used to in the old days. And you know, people started sending us emails and they said, ah, the plane didn't explode because your son Andrew was in the plane. Then we found out there were nine other clergy on the plane. So we thought, ah, it's not just for Andrew. Maybe the Lord wanted to save all the other guys too, you know. Not a single person was killed. It was amazing. I said, Andrew, how are you? He said, well, I'm bleeding a little bit, but I'm going to the hospital. And his father-in-law was taking him to the hospital. But you know, I got to thinking, wow, what if they had been killed two days before Easter, uh, Christmas? What, what a thing to be. And then I thought, yeah, it would have been heartbreaking and horrible, but he would have gone to heaven because Andrew, 17 years earlier, uh, he repented. He gave his life to Christ. He marries this beautiful woman who's a believer. Now their kids love Jesus Christ. And you know, this is the glorious thing about receiving the gift of God. That's why I read you this passage. It says, the gift, the, 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 the God has given us eternal life. And you know, dear friends, all of us have to face the fact that eternal life is essential. I told you about my dad giving his life to Christ at age 22. Nine years after that, he got sick. He was a successful business guy. His dad had died when he was 16. Now he's 34 and he was dying. I was in boarding school. My mom and dad sent me to this British boarding school to learn English. He said, you know, you may not want to study English, but English is the language of the future. You better go and learn it because that'll help you. And boy, was he ever right. You know, I could never be preaching in India and Thailand and Vietnam and China. There isn't any Latin who speaks Chinese, but they all speak English. English over there. So English was a great thing that my dad had. And I'm in boarding school. My grandma calls up and he says, go back home. Your daddy's very sick. So I got on a train in Buenos Aires, the capital of Argentina, subway, another train. And when I got home, my dad has just died. And boy, I was, I said to my mom, why don't you call me earlier? She said, it happened so fast, you know. And so she told me what happened. My dad knew he was dying and he had given his life to Christ, as I told you, just nine years before. And when he realized he was dying, my mom, all the family was around the, the bed and my dad sat up in bed and he began to sing a song that we used to sing and that the Salvation Army song about heaven. There's crowns up there, bright crowns for you and me. And he sat up and he sang it three times. And then exhausted from the galloping fever, his head fell on the pillow and my dad pointed up to heaven and he quoted the words of St. Paul, I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And my dad went to be with the Lord. And I was only 10 years old and I thought, man, that's the way to die, to know where you're going, that you can even sing about it and clap your hands and say, I'm going to be with Jesus. And you know, dear friends, that's the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And I want to explain it to you as simply as I know how, and then invite you to receive the gift of God. Because I did it when I was 12. Two years after my dad died at a summer camp, I'll tell you about it in a second, I received eternal life. I wanted to know that I had eternal life because I saw my dad go off to heaven contented, happy, knowing where he was going. Sometimes when I read the Bible, where it talks in the book of Revelation that there are thousands and thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 bowing before the throne of God and saying, holy, 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 
Lord, I can imagine my dad in the crowd, you know, bowing before God. And one day when I get up there, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go see my dad and tell him all the stuff that went on. Maybe they can see it. I hope not. You know, that they can see from up there what goes on on earth. It would depress them, I think. But anyway, so he's up there. But you know, look at what it says over here. God has given us eternal life. My California friends, eternal life is a gift of God. You don't pay for it. You don't buy it. You don't try to earn it. You don't try to please God. Keep on loving Modesto, but don't ever imagine that being good to the poor is going to get you to heaven or giving money to the schools is going to get you eternal life. No, we do that because we love people. But that doesn't settle your problems with God. We have to deal with the fact that we need eternal life. You cannot pay for it. You can I remember once Warren Buffett, you know, one of the wealthiest men in America, they say, he gave a check or promised a check for $30 billion to Bill Gates, you know, the founder of Microsoft. And the newspaper said, this is what, what Mr. Buffett said. He said, there are many roads to heaven, as he gave the check, and this is probably the best. Yowks, what a mistake. He knows how to make money, but he don't know the way to heaven, you know? And I was in, in Omaha one day, and I foolishly said it from the platform. I said, Mr. Buffett, that's not the way. He wasn't there. Uh, uh, this is not the way to heaven. Go ahead and give all your money away. It's a good thing, but it doesn't buy you the, the entrance into heaven. Because what does it say? God has given us eternal life. Eternal life is a gift from God. And that's the beauty of it. God loves us, and He wants us to have eternal life. He created us. He knows us. He knows where we made big mistakes, but He still loves us. That's why you remember St. Paul said, he said, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And you know, the reason why it's in Jesus Christ is relatively simple. St. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, Christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous to take us to God. And when I look at that cross that they've got here, I'm so glad they have it. It reminds us that Christ died on the cross to bring us to God. Otherwise, we don't have a chance. None of us do. Because all of us have got a problem of guilt and sin and evil behavior. All of us have stuff that we are ashamed of. Even the nicest people. I, I, uh, I read a story of a a write-up by a, an English writer called Somerset Maugham. And he became a Christian late in life. He used to be an atheist. And one day he put this down. He said, listen to this, if I wrote down every thought I've ever thought and every deed I've ever done, people would call me a monster of depravity. Shucks. When I heard that, I thought, man, if I wrote down every thought I've ever thought, and every deed I've ever done, it would be a bestseller in San Francisco International Airport, you know. I, I, and I, every one of us, if we honestly wrote every thought we've ever thought, that every, even you grannies, don't look so happy, you know. I mean, if you truly wrote every thought you've ever had, granny, and put it down on paper, would say, wahoo-ha, look at granny, huh? What, th what thoughts she's thought, and what these she's, listen, all of us have skeletons in the closet, all of us have stuff that we're ashamed of, and we should be. That's why it says that Christ died for the sins of the whole world, because the whole world needs to be forgiven. And all, but why Jesus Christ? 
why not Buddha or why not uh, Hinduism or you know Judaism or Islam? Why? Two reasons. First one is because God said so. That's why. God said, if you want eternal life, you can have it. It's a gift, but you must come to my son, the Lord Jesus. He is the one who can give you eternal life. The second reason is similar to the, to the first one. Jesus Christ is the only one who died on a cross to take care of the problem of guilt. He's the only one who could take care of the problem of sin. And you know, sin is a serious business. It isn't a thing that you can blow off and say, ah, forget it, you know. It's something, some creation of psychologists or some clergyman over here. Sin is an insult to our Creator. You know when you're doing the wrong thing. And when you choose wrong and you, you just say, I know, God, what you think. I know, I know it isn't right, but I spit in your face. I don't give a rip what you say. You insult your Creator. When you and I break the rules, we're really insulting God. We're spitting in His face. So Christ had to take away our guilt. And we're all loaded with the stuff, if we were honest enough to, to accept it. And then sin is serious because it hurts other people. You heard what the minister said a few minutes ago. How many people he hurt when he was young as a teenager, goofing off and doing stuff you're not supposed to do. And so why, why, why did he do it? Well, nobody knows exactly why, but we all have that inclination. And then sin hurts us. Think how many of us are paying for the stupid, I shouldn't call it stupid. My wife taught my boys never say stupid, but it is stupid, you know? I mean, sin is not only wrong, it is so stupid when you think about it. Think of all those bankers in, in, in Wall Street who had MBAs from Harvard and Yale and Columbia University and millionaires, and they're going to jail like a guy who holds you up and... Girardelli Square in San Francisco, you know. I mean, here are rich people with degrees. Why do they do it? I've sat down with important people who say, Palau, I don't get it. I'm smart. I'm educated. I don't know why I did it. And, and honestly, they're not joking. The, the impulse of sin wrecks your own life. Think half of the American kids in America come from fatherless homes. Why? Why does a man have a baby and then walk out on the baby and leave the children all by themselves? And much of the anger of American teenagers is because of that. And when you talk to a guy, like I happen to talk to a lot, and women too, but I tend to major on guys, uh, they, they will say, I don't know, man, it was a moment of passion, it was a crazy thing, but my wife won't forgive me, and my mother-in-law, why even talk about it, you know? I mean, I, I just don't know, it's a mess. And you know, they're confused, why? So Christ had to die on the cross. And that's why it says, if you want eternal life, you can have it as a free gift, but you have to take it in Jesus Christ. And so he says, did you notice when I read it? It says, God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. So if you want eternal life, you have to have Jesus Christ in your life. So I have to ask you, you don't have to answer out loud, but think about it. Do you have eternal life? Do you have Jesus Christ? You know, the Bible says, whoever has the Son of God has life. Has life now, here, now, on earth. When you die, you go and enjoy it in all its dimensions. But you have eternal life on earth. And that's the quality of life that makes life so exciting. As the pastor was saying when he was telling about his story, at age 20, he finally surrendered to Christ. And he became a new fellow. And look at him now. He's leading thousands of you in the things of God. 
But you know, dear friends, you can have eternal life too if you will receive Jesus Christ. That's, Jesus said, you remember, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then he says, I have come, he says, that you might have life and have it in abundance. There is an enemy, dear friends. That's why there's hell on earth sometimes. That's why there's wars and holdups and, and violence and beating ups and drugs and, and we do all sorts of crazy stuff because there's an enemy that tempts us. And the Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Sometimes I don't like to ask my friends when I haven't seen them for a while and say, how are your kids doing? Usually some of them say, oh, they're all doing great. But usually they say, well, Christina is doing pretty good. She's in college. And Joey, he's doing good as a senior, but, you know, Josephine, yeah. You know, why does a kid do that? Why do kids hurt themselves and hurt their parents? Uh, because there's something missing. And what's missing is to know Jesus Christ for yourself. So he says, whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So I have to ask you, you up there, do you have the Son of God or not yet? If you don't have him in your heart, you don't have eternal life. If you have him, you should know that you have eternal life and you should enjoy it and really enjoy it every day of your life. And then when the moment of dying comes, you can be like my dad. You know where you're going. You know that you're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. So the big question is this, though. How do you know that you have eternal life? Well, let me give you an example. Supposing you came to me and you said, hey, Luis, you say you married this Patricia woman. She's from Oregon. you got four kids. And you say to me, are you married to Patricia or not? And I say to you, you know, I'm not sure. You say, he is the loco. Eh? He's nuts, this guy, you know. Are you or are you not married? I'd have to say, yes, I'm married. How do you know? I'll tell you. I met her. She looked pretty good, smart, played the piano. I thought that was good. And uh, I thought, I like her. And so I didn't ask her to marry me. I said, would you come to Argentina with me? That was the way I offered my glorious person. And uh, <laughs> she foolishly said yes. And uh, so in our church, they have a ceremony, a wedding ceremony. They have an open thing over there, like this one has two doors, this one has only one, and there's an aisle in the middle. And they, they give, make you read a book called the Green Book. And uh, it's all about love and you know what and how to do this and not to do that and how to treat your wife and what you do first and what you don't do later. You know, they give you a lot of instruction like the pastor wants to do with you. And uh, then they have this ceremony and every penny you've ever earned goes into her dress, you know. And so you, if for some reason they got to have a white dress. Don't ask me why. But uh, I think I know. But anyway... And then you, the, the, the man always suffers. He has to come in with four bodyguards that they call groomsmen. They're, they're there to be sure you don't run off, you know. And uh, so they make you come in early and you stand there waiting and waiting. Sometimes they announce it for three and they don't start till 3.45. I don't understand. It's torture. And uh, the, the, then she shows up at the door. The organ starts playing and she's on her husband's a father's arm and the man looks at you like, you take care of my girl or I'm going to kill you, you know. And, and then they come forward and instead of walking normally, they torture you. They're little steps like this, you know. <laughs> they claim it's not the step of the dress. But anyway, they come and they greet everybody and you're standing there and say, let's get on with it, you know. Finally, she gets to the front. They make you kneel down in our church and the minister stands there and he says, 
Luis, do you take this woman to be your lawfully married wife in sickness and in health and da da do da and so on? And you're supposed to say yes. If you don't, he shakes your head and says, yes. <laughs> okay. Then he says to the wife, Patricia Schofield, do you take this crazy Argentine you chose to be your lawfully married husband? And she says yes. When you said the yes thing, he says a few more things, makes you stand up, turns you around, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Luis Palau. Bang, you're in, and there's no way to get out, you know. Uh-huh. And just for good measure, they make you go behind the thing and sign a piece of paper where you say, yeah, yeah, I did marry this woman. So how do I know I'm married? For two reasons. I said yes, and I signed the paper. That's it. So if you ask me, are you married? I say, yeah, I am. And, uh, and I am. 50 years this year, man. It's a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's, I recommend it. But uh, the, the point is, it's true. I know because I made it, and she made others. And when you receive Jesus Christ, it's the same thing. You hear the call of God, and God says to you, yes or no? Will you receive him? Will you believe in him? Will you say yes? And when you do, he comes into your life, and, you know, eternal life is not a thing you get. Eternal life is Jesus Christ living in you. The Bible says he is the life. He is the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when you receive Jesus Christ, you believe in him, that he's the blessed son of God, born of the blessed Virgin Mary, that he never committed a sin, that he died on the cross and took away the sin of the world. You say, yes, I believe it. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I, I was intrigued by one of the last hymns the group sang. I never heard this particular one. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. He does. He comes into your life and he rescues you. And so it says over here, uh, you know, whoever has the Son of God, has, if you don't have the Son of God, then you still don't have life. So are you still searching? You still feel a sense of loneliness? Do you feel like you're lost? You notice the pastor said, I was lost, he said. I was lost. And that's how we all are until we come to Christ. But the moment you say, I believe in you, Lord Jesus, I receive you, I surrender, suddenly you come alive to God. And you say, I know him. I know him for myself. And you're not going to throw Jesus under the bus. There's a lot of people nowadays who say, I used to go to church, but now I go to college, and I don't believe that stuff. You didn't know Jesus. You just went to church. When you know Christ, you don't throw him under the bus because some guy at university or whatnot with a degree from Oxford says, there's no God. Ooh, there's no God. He said so. And he's got a degree from England of all places, you know? I mean, so what? I, I know Jesus Christ. I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I don't care what anybody says. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And I got eternal life. And you can have it too. And tonight could be your night. Maybe you've been thinking about it for years. And you say, you know, I really should make that commitment. Because none of us knows when an American island is going to land in Kingston and bust up and you go with it, you know? You've got to be ready and be prepared. Now, how can I have the Son of God? How do you receive him? One of the princesses of the royal family in England, I was there for a festival in London, and at a dinner she said to me, how do you get the Son of God? She says, I've gone to church all my life. I've done all the prayers, but I don't have assurance of eternal life. How did you get it? So I said to your royal highness, the Bible puts it this way. Jesus says that he came to his own people, the Jewish nation, but his own did not receive him. 
But to all those who received him, John chapter 1, he gives them power to become children of God. You know, you have a choice when you hear the message of Christ. You can say yes, or you can say no. A lot of people say no, and they pay the price. I don't want to get into it, but you pay a steep price when you say no to the Son of God. Not only on earth do you live a life that eventually can be very painful and very ugly, no matter what your education may be and how much money you may have. Look at all the miserable people who are rich and yet miserable. Look at all the movie stars that everybody goes, ah, Lady Gaga, 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 you know? And so she's got money and she's got fame. Look at Elizabeth Taylor. She's from my days. Eight husbands, no, eight marriages. Twice to Richard Burton. You've got to be desperate to marry a guy twice like that. You know, who's a drunkard and, and just, and yet people are searching, searching. Another wife, another husband, another dollar, another this, another vacation. I'm going to leave my wife. She's boring. She's fat. I'm going to find a chick at the office. And you know, all this stuff that goes on in the world. And you say, why? Because they don't have eternal life. They don't know God. And so they pay the price. And let alone the price you pay after you die. I don't even want to talk about it. But you're lost forever. So he says, he came to his own. His own did not receive him. You have a choice tonight. You can get up and walk out and say, fooey on you. I'm going to live without God and without Christ. I'm going to keep spitting in his face. I don't care. Fine. You have the freedom to say no. But I tell you, I warn you, whatever you sow, you reap. And you, secondly, he says, to all those who received him. That's what the gift does. He says to you, if, if you receive him, believing in his name, you have eternal life. And really, it's so simple. I think that's why, why many people miss it. If tonight you say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you want to give me eternal life and I receive you. You'll walk out of here so filled with happiness that you've never known before. I did it. I got eternal life since I was 12 years old. At a summer camp uh, in Argentina, this, this young fellow was 21. I was 12. He sat me down. It was beginning. It was about to rain. We were up in the mountains. It was a summer camp. And he said to me, Luis, if you die tonight, 12 years old, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven or hell? I said, I'm going to hell. And he said, why? I said, well, I got a foul mouth, got a lousy temper, and I beat up on my sisters. He said, you're going to hell. And uh, so, but he did. And then he said to me, is that where you want to go? I said, no, that's why I'm talking to you. I, I want to be forgiven. I want to have eternal life. He said, you know what you have to do? I've been to church and I could mouth off some stuff. But he had a flashlight and a, a New Testament. And he said, look, Romans 10 says this, Luis. If you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So then he said, read it for yourself and put your name in the Bible passage. So I did. If you, Luis, confess with your lips, Luis, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, Luis, that God raised him from the dead, you, Luis, shall be saved. I was about beginning to rain, and he was in a hurry. And he said, okay, do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? I said, absolutely. He said, then what's left? Confess him with my lips. So he said, are you going to do it or not? I said, yes. Put his arm around me, and he said, I'll lead you in a prayer, like I'm going to do with you in five minutes. And he said, oh God, oh God, 
I deserve to go to hell. I deserve to go to hell. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. But I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you rose from the dead. I receive you into my heart. I receive you into my heart. Amen. And he said, you're in. You've got eternal life. And I went to the tent. There were seven other boys. He was our counselor. And I woke them all up. I don't know if they were asleep. I said, hey guys, I've got eternal life. I've got eternal life. That was when I was 12. I'm 76 now. I'm an old grandpa. I've never doubted for one minute, ever, ever, that I have eternal life. Because Christ comes into your heart and he speaks to your soul. The Bible says the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit and tells us that we are children of God. That's why those who know Christ sing and cheer and they're excited. They're not perfect, but they know they have eternal life. So the big question for you is, do you have eternal life? And you know, it can happen just like that. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross, symbolized by this thing here, that they put a thief on his right, you remember that, and a thief on his left? And they were both criminals and they were murderers and they were, they, were, they, were, they were wild guys. And both of them mocked Jesus Christ, remember? They said, if you're the Son of God, why don't you get off the cross and bring us down with you? And they were mocking him. And the priests were insulting him and the people were spitting on him. And the Bible says they slapped him around. They whipped him 39 lashes. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And he was hanging there for those six hours, remember? And then it got all completely dark at noon. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew why. It was a rhetorical question for our benefit. He was dying for us. But the amazing thing, do you remember? The two thieves were insulting Jesus. And then one of them suddenly, out of the blue, so to speak, turns on his buddy and he says, why are you mocking this man? We are crucified for what we deserve. We've done wrong. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then the real surprise is, that he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, they're hanging on a cross, remember? They're, they're within hours of dying. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom? And you know, I got to thinking the other day, a little sacrilegious, but I got to thinking, if it was me, I would have said to him, you little weasel, you know? I mean, you kill people, you up, and now that you're about to die, you want me to forgive you? Go to hell, you know? You don't, you don't deserve to go to heaven, you know? I mean... This guy's taking advantage of the mercy of God, right? He's lived a lousy life. And now at the last minute, oh, remember me, Jesus. But you know, the interesting thing is, Jesus obviously saw that he was sincere and that he really repented. And so instead of telling him where to go, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Man, the man never went to church. Never got baptized, never did communion, never went to confession. What else? Never gave any money. He stole it. <laughs> and yet Jesus says to him, you repented? You believe me? Today you're with me. I tell you, no wonder this church is called Big what? Big something or other. Grace Community Church. That's what I was getting at. Grace. That's the grace of God that God says, you deserve condemnation, but I love you. And I will forgive you if you sincerely repent. And you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to know. Many of you come, it says, to all those who become children of God. Some of you come from broken homes. Your dad took off years ago. 
As I said earlier, about half of American people are fatherless kids. Even old guys who still talk about, why did my dad leave when I was two years old? And they feel the loneliness of a dad who left. But you know, when you know Jesus Christ, God becomes your father. And I've known him all these years, man. I'm 76. He's taken care. He has guided. He has heard our prayers. He found me this super wife. We've got four boys. We've got grandchildren. God uses God loves to be your father. But the first step, he's got to come into your heart, Jesus Christ. And then you have eternal life. And then at the same moment, you become a child of God. God becomes your father. Really, your heavenly father who cares for you. But you have to make the decision. And then, to finish off, Jesus says this. He says, I give them eternal life, John 10, 28. I give you eternal life. Second, you will never perish and no one can snatch you out of my hands. I love that promise. And you know, dear friends, I'm about to give you an invitation in the name of Jesus Christ that you do what my, did, my dad did when he was 22. Mr. whatever. He, uh, he did it when he was 20. I did it when I was 12. The age doesn't matter. What counts is, do you have Jesus Christ? Do you have eternal life? And then he assures you, I give you eternal life, but you have to receive him. You will never perish. Never. Satan will try to steal you. You can never steal you out of his hands. The world will try and say, ah, forget that stuff. They will try to get you out of the hands of Christ. They can't do it. Even your own flesh will sometimes say, ah, I'm going to do a crazy thing but you're still in the hands of Jesus Christ. And he says, no one can snatch you out of my hands. And then to double, double guarantee, he says, my father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my father's hands. Is that great or what? Huh? The assurance of eternal life. But you have to make your decision. And in the name of Jesus Christ tonight, I, I beg you, come to Christ. Open your heart. Say, yes, Lord. I want to have eternal life. Why have I waited so long? But tonight is your night, and God brought you here, and he wants, to, he wants you to give your heart to him. So I'm going to help you to make that commitment. I want to invite all of you to stand for prayer, shall we? Let's stand in the presence of God. And I want to lead you in a prayer. And for all of you men and women and teenagers and boys and girls, if you've never made this commitment, this is your moment of decision before the Lord in which you receive eternal life by believing in Jesus Christ. And so let's pray together. I will guide you phrase by phrase, and I beg you to choose the gift of God and to say to the Lord Jesus, yes, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. So let me guide you in a prayer. If you've never made this decision, dear friends, I am here to ask you in the name of Christ, give him your life as a woman. Give him your heart. Give him your past with all its sadness. Give him your present and let him give you eternal life. And give him your future. You will never regret surrendering to your Father in heaven, your Creator who loves you. And if you drifted away from God, Maybe you've been gone for years from the things of God. And tonight you say, I want to come back to God. I want to come back to Jesus Christ. 
then pray along with us this prayer. And those of you who know Christ, just join us. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. But for those of you who are today receiving the gift of God, pray with, us, with me out loud this prayer. Oh God, our Father, you are a good God. You are a loving God. And I thank you for your Son, my Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I confess with my lips, Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Lord Jesus, give me the assurance of eternal life. I receive you into my heart and follow you forever. Thank you, Father. Now I know I have eternal life because Christ lives in me. And I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Ah, it's so good to hear you all praying. Before Pastor Jeff comes to dismiss, though, I want to do this. I want to ask you. I, I, I was in Newport Beach in California, and the pastor asked me to do this, and I've been doing it. I even did it in China. And you can't believe how many people said yes. When I say three, all of you up there and down here, who tonight invited Christ into your heart, or if you're drifted away from God, tonight you're coming back. When I say three, I want you to do this. In unison, out loud, I want you to go, I believe, okay? All together, not those who tonight give their life to Christ or coming back. So when I say three, just punch the air and shout real loud, I believe. It's a statement of faith, okay? Are you ready? Three of you. Okay. No, no. <laughs> Did you pray that prayer and you meant it? Okay. I believe. One, two, three. I believe. Ah, hey, good. Good. That's good. Now, when, when I arrived today, we were having a meeting over there uh, with a pastor, and we prayed, and, and he said, you know, when you finish, I'm going to stand at the door, and there he is. He's going to stand at the door, and he's got a Bible to give to each one of you, and a booklet that I looked that I really like, uh, uh, for those who, who say, I believe and give their life to Christ, and, and, and then he, he wants to introduce you to a class that he teaches that must be terrific. People have been taking it for six weeks, and now they want to double it. They want it again. So, those of you who said, I believe, and tonight gave your heart to Christ, grab your purse, don't leave anything behind, uh, and leave your seat. Say to the person next to you who came with you, or you came with them, and go and follow the pastor. Are you there, pastor? He said he would wave his arms. He loves to wave his arms. There he is. And so, go, all of you who made that decision, come on down and go. He's going to give you the book over there. Come on, go. Off you go. Yeah. Come on. There you go. Yeah. God bless you, huh? Good to greet you. Hi. The Lord bless you, man. Nice. Bye. Bye-bye. Man, God bless you, huh? Yeah. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, man. Hello, madam. How are you? Hey. Mucho gusto. Yeah. All right. God bless you, huh?
That's great. Your friends? That's great. Good for you. Well, praise the Lord, huh? God bless you. Wow. See your son? How are you, man? Good to meet you, huh? God bless you, huh? Yeah. Amen. God bless you, sir. Yeah. You know what I like? Did you notice how many men went? Man, some of you wives ought to be happy as angels. You know? Those guys are going to be different from tomorrow. No, from tomorrow, from tonight. Believe me. I notice almost nobody. Is there a jail up there? You guys are the... Uh, I, I don't see anybody come. Nobody gave you a life to God. You're all saints. You're close to heaven up there. Huh? Yeah. I'll tell you something. I learned this one in that same place. Where, no, no. I learned it in Maine. Uh, an evangelist friend of mine had finished and the people were gone. And everybody was cheering like you were. It is exciting, you know. I mean, people cheer when some big elephant scores a, a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, this is big stuff, you know. Just an elephant crossing the line with a little ball. That's child's play. This is eternal stuff. Anyway, I learned this. I want everybody here to help the person next to them. You're alone, but anyway, do it, do it to yourself. Yeah. I want you to do this. You may think it's very interesting. I think it's amazing. Some people want to make that commitment, but they're shy, you know, and whatever. I want you to turn to the person next to you. If you know them, ask them anyway, okay? I'll tell you what to ask. If it's your mother-in-law who's a saint, ask her anyway, okay? <laughs> she may not be a saint as you think. And uh, if it's your husband, ask him. If it's your grandpa. The first time I did it was in Maine. And a 16-year-old girl was by her grandpa. And she turned to the grandpa and said, Grandpa, we've been praying for you since I was a little girl. He was one of those stubborn old guys, you know. Do you want to give your life to Christ? The grandpa told me himself. He said, yes. And the little teenage girl, well, little, but I mean, took her dad, grandpa. And she herself played with her grandpa. And that old boy was changed. So I know that sometimes people are waiting. So when I say three, I'm a great one, two, three guy, okay? Turn to the person next to you. I don't care who they are. And I'm going to watch you men especially. Men are stubborn, you know. Uh -huh. You turn to the woman or the man next to you, whether you know them or not, and say, do you want to give your life to Christ? I'd be glad to go with you and take him to the pastor before he leaves, okay? Now, when I say three, do it. And if they say yes, grab them. Don't leave anything behind and go over there. Okay? Ready? Do you want? This is the question. Do you want to give yourself to Christ? I'll go with you. You got it? One, two, three. Go. Come on. Come on. If they say yes, go. Up there. There we go. Yay. All right. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. Eh? Anybody else? Come on this way. Yeah. There goes a couple. Oh, the Lord bless you, man. Lord bless you. Yeah. Amen. Jeff. 
Yeah. Well, the rest of you, hey, God bless you guys. Huh? Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. This is great. You know, in, in, some, in some churches they say, what is this thing about applauding? Hey, somebody gets married, you applaud. You even throw rice at them. Explain that to me, you know. And uh, somebody enters the kingdom of God and receives eternal. And you're not going to be happy? Look at this. God bless you guys. Yay. Man, God bless you. Bye, man. Yeah. The Lord bless you. Bye, boy. Yay. Bye-bye. God bless you, sir. That's wonderful. This is your friend? Yeah. Bless you, sir. Yay. All right. Praise the Lord, huh? Yeah. The Lord bless you, huh? Bye, sir. Bye-bye. Bye, man. Is there any better way to have a Saturday night than here? Huh? Think of all the idiots in nightclubs getting drunk and acting stupid. This is so much better. Uh, all right, it's all yours. Yeah. There you go. Hey, we got to do this one more time. Let's thank the Lord for what he is doing right now here on Saturday night. Let's, let's give the Lord a hand. God is doing this. <clears throat> Let's, let's appreciate Luis for sharing his heart here tonight as well. Hey, real briefly, grab a seat real quick here. I'm going to share just a couple things with you. I am really excited about Luis. He brought five of his books with us here. And one of them, this is catching my eye, Where is God When Bad Things Happen? Have you ever asked that question before? Where is God? When bad things happen here. Another book he's got here, released here in Modesto tonight for the very first time. You can get this nowhere else. This is They just shipped him here. It's called this, Change by Faith. Dare to trust God with your broken pieces and watch what happens. So if you're interested in these books or other books he has out there, he's, he's going out to the book table right now. He would love to talk to you or sign any books. Um, but I just want to encourage you. Check, check that out. The reach wall is going to be where the book table is at, right through those doors back there. 